I'm going to read chapter 1 of part 3, Atlanta the Huntress. They came once more together, the heroes of the quest, to hunt a boar in Caledon. Jason and Peleus came, Telamon, Theseus, and Retharchus, Nestor and Helen's brothers, Polydelsus and Castor. And most noted of all, there came the Arcadian huntress maid, Atlanta. Beautiful they all thought her when they knew her abroad the Argo, but even more beautiful Atlanta seemed to the heroes when she came amongst them in her hunting gear. Their lo- her lovely hair hung in two bands across her shoulders, and over her breast hung an ivory quiver filled with arrows. They said that her face was its wide and steady eyes was maidenly for a boy's and boyish for a maiden's face. Swiftly she moved with her head held high, and there was not one amongst the heroes who did not say, Oh, happy would that man be whom Atlanta, the unwedded, would take for her husband. But all the hero, all the heroes said it. But the one who said it most feelingly was the prince of Caledon, young Melagris. He, more than the other heroes, felt the wonder of Atlanta's beauty. Now the boar they had come to hunt was a monster boar. It had come into Caledon, and it was laying waste to the fields and orchards and destroying the people's cattle and horses. That boar had been sent into Caledon by an angry divinity, for when Enos, the king of the country, was making a sacrifice to the gods in thanksgiving for a bounteous harvest, he had neglected to make a sacrifice to the goddess of wild things, Paternus. In her anger, Termes had sent the monster boar to lay waste to Enos's realm. With tusks as gr- it, it was a boar, it was a monster boar indeed, one as huge as a bull, with tusks as great as an elephant's. The bristles on its back stood up like spear points, and the hot breath of the creature withered the growth on the ground. The boar tore up the corn in the fields, trampled down the, the vines with their clusters and heavy bunches of grapes. Also, it rushed against the cattle and destroyed them in the fields. And no hounds and huntsmen were able to bring, were able to bring, could stand before it. And so it came to pass that men had to leave their farms and take refuge behind the walls of the city because of the ravages of the boar. It was that it was then that the rulers of Caledon sent for the heroes of the quest to join with them in the in hunting the monster. Caledon itself sent Prince Melegris and two and his two uncles. Lexippus and Toxius. They were brothers to Melegra's mother, Althea. Now Althea was a woman who had sight to see mysterious things, but who had also a wayward and passionate heart. 
Once after her son Malegris was born, she saw three fates sitting by her hearth. They were spinning the threads of her son's life, and they spun as they sang to each other. An equal span of life we will give to the newborn child, and to the billet of wood that now sang, and understanding each of Althea had sprung up from her bed, had seized the billet of wood, and taken it out of the fire before the flames had burned into it. The billet of wood lay in her chest, hidden away, and Malegros, nor any one else save Athea, knew of it, nor knew that the prince's life would last only for the space it would be kept from the burning. One day of the hunting, of the hunting, he appeared as the strongest and bravest of the youths of Caledon, and he knew not. Poor Malegros, that the love for Atlanta had sprung into his heart, was to bring the fire, the billet of wood on which his life depended. As Atlanta went, the bow in her hand, Prince Malegros pressed behind her. Then came Jason and Peleus, Telamon, Theseus, and Nestor. Behind them came Malegros' dark-browed uncles. Flexpius and Tuxius. They came into the forest that covered the side of the mountain. Huntsmen had assembled here with hounds held in lashes and with nets to hold the rushing quarry. And when they all had all gathered together, they went to the forest to track a monster boar. It was easy to track the boar for they had left a broad trail through the forest. The heroes and the huntsmen pressed on. They came to a marshy, a marshy covert where the boar had its lair. It was, it was a thickness of oysters and willows and tall bulrushes, making the place that it was hard for the hunters to go through. They roused the boar with the bare horns and it came rushing out. Foam was on its tusks. Its eyes had in them the blades of fire. On the boar came, breaking down the thicket of its rush. But the heroes stood steadily with the points of their spears toward the monster. The hounds were loosed from their lashes, and they dashed towards the boar. The boar slashed them with its tusks and trampled them in the ground. Jason flung his spear. The spear went wide of the mark. Another Arcus cast his, but the wood, not the point of the spear, struck the boar, rousing it further. Then its eyes flamed like a great stone shot, a catapult. The boar rushed on the huntsmen who were stationed on the right. It was in that rush, it flung two youths prone upon the ground. Then might Nestor have missed his going to Troy and his part in that story, for the boar severed around and was upon him in an instant. Using his spear as a leaping pole, he vaulted upward and caught the branches of a tree as the monster dashed the spear upon its rush. 
in rage, the beast tore at the trunk of the tree. The heroes might have been scattered at that moment, for Tilmon had fallen, tripped by the roots of a tree, and Peleus had to throw himself upon him to pull him out of the way of danger. And Polydelsius and Castor had not dashed up to their aid. They came riding up high white or upon high white horses, spears in their hands. The brothers cast their spears, but neither spear struck the monster boar. Then the boar turned and was for drawing back into the thicket. They might have lost them, for its retreat was impenetrable. But before it got clear away, Atlanta put an arrow to the string, drew the bow to her shoulder, and let the arrow fly. It struck the boar, and a patch of blood was seen upon its bristles. Prince Malegra shouted out, Oh, first to strike the monster, honor indeed shall, I shall you receive for this, Arcadian maid. His uncles were made worth by his speech, as was another, the Arcadian Arthas. Arthas dashed forward, holding his hands a two-headed axe. Heroes and huntsmen, he cried, you shall see how a man strokes and surpasses the girls. He faced the boar standing on tiptoe with his axe raised for the stroke. Allegra's uncle shouted to encourage him, but the boar just tore him before Arca's axe fell, and the Arcadian was trampled upon the ground. The boar, roused again by Atlanta's arrow, turned on the hunters. Jason hurled the spear again. It severed and struck the hound and pinned it to the ground. Then, speaking the name of Atlanta, Malegra sprang before the heroes and the huntsmen. He had two spears in his hands. The first missed and struck the quivering ground, but the second went right through the back of the monster boar. It reeled round and round, spouting out blood and foam. Malegras pressed on and drove his hunting knife through the shoulders of the monster. His uncles, Flex Plexippus and Toxius, were the first to come to where the monster boar was lying outstretched. It is well the deed that you have done, boy, said one. It is well that none of the strangers to our country slew the boar. Now will the head and tusks of the monster adorn our hall, and men will know that the arms of our house can well protect this land. But one word only did Malegra say, that the word was the name Atlanta. The maiden came, and Malegra, his spear upon his head, upon the head, said, Take, O fair Arcadian, the spoil of this chase. All know that it was he who inflicted the first wound upon the boar. Plexippus and Toxius tried to push him away, as if Malegras was still a boy under their tutoring. He shouted to them to stand off, and then he hacked out the terrible tusks and held them toward Atlanta. She would have taken them, for she who had never looked lovingly upon a youth was moved by the beauty and generosity of Prince Malegras. She would have taken them and spoiled the chase, but she held out her arms and Malegras' uncle struck them with the poles of their spears. Heavy marks were made on the maiden's white arms. Madness was 
then possessed Malagris, and he took up his spear and thrust it first into the body of Plexippus and then into the body of Toxius. His thrusts were terrible, for he was filled with the fierceness of the hunt, and his uncles fell down in death. Then a great horror came over all the heroes. They raised up their bo- the bodies of Plexippus and Toxius and carried them on their spears away from the palace of, uh, from the place of hunting and toward the temple of the gods. Melegris crouched down upon the ground in horror of what he had done. Atlanta stood beside him, her hand upon his head. Althea was in the temple making a sacrifice to the gods. She saw the men come in carrying their, across their spears the bodies of the two men. She looked and she saw that the dead men were their, her two brothers, Plexippus and Toxius. She beat her breath, then she beat her breast and she filled the temple with her, the cries of her lamentation. Who has slain my brothers? Who has slain my brothers? She kept crying out. Then she was told that her son Malegros had slain her brothers. She had no tears to shed then, and in a hard voice she asked, Why did my son slay Plexippus and Toxius, his uncles? The one who was worth with Atlanta, Arcas the Arcadian, came to her and told her that the brothers had been slain because of a quarrel about the girl Atlanta. My brothers have been slain because a girl bewitched by bewitched my son. Then a curse be that son of mine, Althea cried. She took off the gold fringed robe of a priestess and she put it on a black robe of mourning. Her brothers, the only sons of her father, had been slain and for the sake of a girl. The image of Atlanta came before her, and she felt she would punish dreadfully her son. But her son was not there to punish. He was far away, and the girl for whose sake he had killed, Lexibus and Tuxius, was with him. The rage she had went back into her heart and made her truly mad. I gave Malagra's life when I may, might have let it go from him with the burning billet of wood, she cried, and now he has taken the lives of my brothers. And then her th- and then her thoughts went into the billet of wood that was hidden in her chest. Back to her house she went, and then she went within she saw a fire pine knots burning upon the hearth. As she looked upon their burning, a scorching pain went through her, but she went from the hearth, nevertheless, and into the inner room. There she stood, the chest that she had not opened for years. She opened it now, and out of it she took the billet of wood, and had on it the mark of burning. She brought it to the hearth fire. Four times she went to throw it into the fire, and four times she stayed her hand. The fire was before her, but it was in her too. She saw the images of her brothers lying dead, saying that he who had slain them would lose his life, and she threw the billet of wood into the fire of pine knocks. Straight away it caught the fire and began to burn, and Althea cried, Let him die, my son, and let not remain. Let all perish with my brothers, even the kingdom that Aenus, my husband, 
confounded. Then she turned away and remained stiffly standing by the hearth. The life withered up within her. Her daughters came and tried to draw her away, but they could not. Her two daughters, Gorge and Dirina. Malegris was crouching upon the ground with Atlanta watching beside him. Now he stood up, taking her hands. He said, Let me go with you to the temple of the gods, where I shall strive to make atonement for, uh, for the dead I have done today. She went with him. But even as they came to the street of the city, sharp and burning pain seized upon Malegris. More and more burning it grew, and weaker and weaker he became. He could not have moved further if it had not been for the aid of Atlanta. Jason and Peleus lifted him across the threshold and carried him into the temple of the gods. They laid him down with his head upon Atlanta's lap. The pain grew within him, fiercer and fiercer, but at last it died down as the burning billet of wood sank down into the ashes. The heroes of the quest stood around, all overcome with woe. In the street they heard the lamentations of Plexippus and Toxicus for Prince Malegris and for the passing of the kingdom founded by Enos. Atlanta left the temple and attended by the two brothers on white horses, Polydelsius and Castor, she went back to all our creating. So that was chapter one. Bye guys, see you later. See ya later, see ya later, see ya. See ya. Yeah. Later. Bye guys.